0: Friends, I'm so excited to introduce you to this week's big kid, Lainey Holmes. I met this gem at the Imperfect Bosses camp last year, and she helped me come out of my shell by using all of her positive mom vibes, and I felt it just so fitting with Mother's Day just passing, and yeah, we had a really, really great conversation. Lainey inspires people to write their life stories and make meaningful stuff. She's been writing memory books for her kids, creating mini classes to help them capture life's moments, and sewing quilts that are filled with stories. Lainey was the kid who loved arts and crafts sets and doing projects at school. As a big kid, she was a teacher and later a math and literary consultant. She believes that our stories hold so much potential for healing feeling grounded and whole. Her wish for her kids is that they can grow up knowing who they are at heart so that they can live lives that are true to them. And that is why I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Lainey. Welcome this week's big kid, Lainey Holmes. Hello, and welcome to the Big Kid Podcast. I'm your host, Katie C., life coach, children's yoga instructor, and mindfulness ninja. Every week, I'm here to help you navigate the craziness that is life with more courage, more kindness, and less judgment. Spoiler alert, none of us know what's going on. We're all just a bunch of big kids, and we know that life is better together. So go grab a snack and a seat as we dive on in. Welcome to another Big Kid interview episode. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Lainey Holmes, mom of three, hailing from Toronto. Um, One thing that I admire so much about her is how she captures stories and not just the Instagram kind. She is always real and not scared to share the struggle. And I think of Lainey as a master storyteller as she creates books of memories for her kids and just her story. And she's just a bomb mom. And I'm all so excited for you to listen to our interview. Welcome, Lainey.
1: Well, you were just too sweet. (laughs) It's (laughs) so true though, you are. I
0: remember like one of the first, um, it's not even like the first, well, it was like the first post that I saw of yours that like hit me in the heart. And it was with, obviously your children. <laughs> and it was um, what you got them to write for their bedroom doors. So oh. It was, oh, that just melted my heart. So, so lovely. Is it still up?
1: They are. It was actually a friend of mine who um, kind of inspired me, encouraged me to do it. And it was asking the kids to um, describe, describe each other, describe their siblings. So it was um, we said I asked the kids like with well, Charlie what would you say about your sister and they said oh she's very funny or she's very helpful and she's kind and then we wrote them out on slips of paper and then put them on their doors but it was really cute for them to start thinking about what do they see what good do they see in their siblings and in their family and so I love that but I think we need to add some more because so we haven't done it in a while
0: so cute no I loved that and exactly like i was saying before like where i wish i had you when where was the internet i was trying to raise these kids dang it no but it's uh, not easy right oh my god no parenthood is so hard so thank god for the internet and people like you so yeah all right so helene what did well i call you a master storyteller So what did that look like for you as a kid? Like also being creative. What was your creative spirit like in your tiny child body?
1: (laughs) My tiny child body. My tiny child body with very knobby knees um, (laughs) and red hair. When you ask about being a storyteller, it instantly makes me think about grade three. Mm. So when I was in grade three, um, I remember that we each wrote our own stories And then we had a special guest who I have no idea who it was. It was probably someone from our small town who came in and taught us how to publish our own books. So we got to pick out our own size of cardboard and back in the day, some sketchy 80s or 90s wallpaper. (laughs) And they taught us how to cover the cardboard and write a dedication page and a white blank page at the beginning. And we got to publish our own books. And I remember thinking back then, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna end up writing my own books when I get bigger and I'm gonna write books for kids. But then I realized that I didn't think that my illustration skills were up to snuff. And so I just <laughs> abandoned that. And okay. it's funny because now here I am coming back to it again of writing books, but for my own kids and hopefully mm-hmm. inspiring other women to write for their kids too. So yeah, it's kind of funny. I love that.
0: And that's like so specific because you were literally making books right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I love it. I keep thinking right now, I heard someone say that like in the face of the pandemic, that all of us are historians right now. And so again, I just think of the books that you have been creating for your families. And um, it's cool because it's something that you offer other people too, right? For them to make their own. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I think it goes back to to the purpose of why I write them. So the reason why I make the, the books for my kids is more around um, for them to know themselves. And that I feel like as a mother, I can give them a part of their story. And so it's like a bigger piece of, and this is where I get to be a nerd and I go off on tangents of, Like it's all around identity and knowing who you are. So that my hope is that when my kids live their life, that they can make decisions based on what feels good to them and what's in their heart, as opposed to following things that they feel that they should do or what others expect. And so with kids, there's research around the fact that around the age of seven, their memories begin to fade early childhood. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's devastating because it's like, it becomes this black void in your story where you start turning to other people in your life saying, and maybe you've done it too of like, mom, tell me about what I was like when I was little, what kind of things did I'd like to do? What was I like as a baby? What was mm-hmm. I? Um, so I feel like now I can start, I can capture those things for my kids while I actually remember them because we have good intentions and we want to remember things, but life happens and then there's another new thing the next day. And um, it's easy to lose it. So that's why I document for my kids is that they know their story right from the beginning, who they were as little people, their personalities, the stuff they love, the silly things they do. So they have tons of stories.
0: That's so beautiful. How are you capturing things <laughs> to like include? Cause I'm just even thinking for myself. Cause I remember I used to have, um, just uh notes in my phone and i would use that and like any like silly thing they would say i would like write it in there and then and then just stop (laughs) it's
1: hard hard to keep up with and Mm -hmm. sometimes i think it's just giving yourself like little frames of time Mm -hmm. so for example with the kids i made them books for each of them so this is charlie at two years old and then i told myself i'm gonna get it done by her second birthday Around it always feels like it's this lingering project. But by saying I'm going to get it done by your birthday, I actually got it done. Mm. Um, I like that. Yeah. And it's when you're asking what I collect or where, it's kind of like you. It can be for me, my brain, the way that I work, is very random and piecemeal. So I might grab my phone and write down a little observation or something funny. She said in my phone, I have photos. Um, I keep their drawings and I scan them, the cute little ones that have a story that go with them. Um, we take pictures of their stuffies. And so it's all these little pieces that all come together to tell a story.
0: I love that. It's funny off topic, but I did um,
1: (laughs) Ashley's
0: um, workshop last week uh, on self sabotage. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just talks about your inner child, like most of it. Right. And so I think that's also why, again, as myself, as a life coach, like seeing how important this stuff is, because you're right. Like we don't remember. And if there was trauma within those first few years too, right? Like that just adds such another layer of pushing it down, wanting to forget, not reflecting, not learning, and not letting that really be a true part of your story. So again, I love how you're capturing this. I'm so excited. Like I picture your kids as adults with like bookshelves with just like books about them. Oh my God. They're
1: gonna have so many. I feel bad for them. <laughs> no, I so god. like I'm thinking, okay, the next book I wanna make is this one. It's gonna be the story about our family cabin because there's so many stories behind it of how it came to be that my parents bought it, how different mm-hmm. family members there's wood that my grandpa cut down from their property that he planned himself that's within the walls that he gifted my parents. There's
0: oh my god.
1: Like things in there that used to belong to my grandma. There's so there's so many stories in it. And it means the place means so much for my parents because it's a place where we all come together in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I want to make a book that's just about the cabin. I love it.
0: Yeah. And that could be like such a great summer project. <laughs> especially if we can't cabin too far. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: (laughs) I think of, um, this is kind of lame, but I think of, um, the whole phenomenon around like 23 and me and people wanting to know like where they come from. And again, like you're getting it straight from the source and it's beautiful too, because all of the stories you're collecting are not just your own, but again, like your family, like you're going back, (laughs) you're going real back. So it's um, I'm I'm very jealous of your children. I think I've told you more this more than once, but I would be down if you adopted me, even though I am an owl.
1: Come on, Christina, come on over.
0: All right, come to Toronto. No problem. You
1: might want to pack your bags and leave after a few days, but it's all good.
0: Okay, so I want to know: Have you always been a collector of things? Like knowing that you collect stories, and I love that you call the artifacts even like have yeah. you always been a collector of sorts
1: i think i have been and actually when you say that i remember in my childhood bedroom i had this white dresser where if the bottom drawer you could pull it completely out then there was a spot underneath
0: ooh like a secret
1: yeah because as kids you have to have like your secret hiding spot yeah um, yes. And I remember keeping things down there like I had a diary when I was in grade eight. Um, I've always kept letters. I have actually on my shelf behind me here, I have two boxes that are filled with every letter that my grandma wrote me. Um, Letters from my great aunt, um, cards from my mom. And it's weird because I'm not really, I am a sentimental person and I also am not which I love with humans. There's like, you don't have to be this or that. Like I'm the we We're first never one. in
0: a box. <laughs>
1: exactly. And I'm not, like, I am quick to purge and get rid of things, but yet there are some things that I have a hard time um, purging. Like I keep them and I feel like there's a reason for it. I can't articulate it maybe, but I keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, so things I gather letters and cards, um, especially now with the kids, I keep um, their artwork and their writing and their stories. Yeah, I think I've always kind of collected keepsakes because my dad does. Mm. What would he keep? Letters as well? Oh God, he keeps like very random things, (laughs) but they're very cool because now when I'm writing this family book, so when you were saying how like I'm writing books that pull together different voices. So this family book that I'm writing for the kids right now is basically a book on behalf of their entire family so there's pieces I've written, um, pieces from my grandma's book that she wrote, so at the bottom of each piece I say who it's coming from, so who's talking to them, um, pieces from my great aunt, there's pieces in there from their great-great-grandmother, um. Can I have a copy of this book? <laughs> like, holy shit, it sounds amazing. It's neat, it is pretty neat, right, because it's everyone coming together to tell the story of our family, and yeah,
0: and I saw you even have, like, recipes, right? Yeah. Oh, so good.
1: And it's kind of a book where it's not so much of this is where someone was born and this is when they died, but like the human stories of these are actual people. These are human beings. These are the things that they loved. These are the things that lit them up. Um, they can My kids can see that they are all different. Like one person really loved this and someone liked something really different. There's a chapter about sibling rivalry. Ooh. And yeah. And it was really cool because I found that when Uh, going through letters and whatnot from my grandma and her sister of feeling like they were being compared, um, of sitting at the dinner table and one sister being asked how well she did at baseball that day and how many home runs she got and the other sister getting a good mark on her test but not feeling like that was valued and always Mm -hmm. wishing she was like the other one. And I thought like that's something that my kids need to know is those sibling, not necessarily even rivalries, but just dynamics and feeling like you're comparing yourself to someone else that transcends generations. Like that's just part of being human Um, and for the kids to see like their great, great grandparents felt that way too. I just think is like very human.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I always say on my podcast and just in like in all of my teaching is that for kids, the world is so scary because everything you're feeling is for the very first time. And if nobody is talking about it, that's when we feel that we're all alone and no one understands. So I love that. Perspective of writing this chapter. It's so beautiful because it's showing them exactly that. And the fact that it's coming from family makes it that much closer. And then again, the feeling of not being alone. Oh, that's so powerful.
1: (laughs) And things aren't always easy, right? Like, there's Mm -hmm. parts in the book where it shares everybody's love stories and how, like, my grandparents, their great grandparents met and the cute little stories. But then there are also pieces in there that talk about, like, what were the difficult things in the marriage? What were the things that were hard? Um, there were moments of like joy and happiness and fun memories, but then there was also tragedy and loss and- um, It's
0: real her. life.
1: Like it, it is very much real life. And sometimes when I get to that one chapter, I'm like, ooh, this might be like a heavy read, but it's, it's true, right? And I want them to know all the parts um, And so that when they look at this book, they can kind of see not that they have to be like their family members, but Mm -hmm. more as they can see themselves in some, but maybe not in others and that they can see who they are and what they take away from it. So yeah, it's a fun project.
0: I love it. You make me want to do it now, even though my kids are teenagers.
1: You can still do it,
0: Right. And that's the best part. That's the best part. I love it. So... Maybe I wanted to ask before if you see like collector spirits in your kids, but I'm also curious as well of like their storytelling spirits, also because they are so young right now. Like what does that, do you have like the collector, the storyteller, (laughs) like is that showing up in their personalities?
1: That's a interesting question. It's interesting because it's like what parts are truly them and then what parts are they imitating, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's very true. Um, Right now, like, my oldest is a collector, but his collecting right now is stuffies, like his stuffed animals, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is very much childlike. Um, As far as storytelling, my oldest is the one who uses incredibly descriptive language for things. Like, he was playing with a car one day, and it fell down, and he went, oh, it went down into the gloomy, dark unknown. He's five. Wow. (laughs) I'm like, where did you get that from? Because it wasn't from me. Uh, (laughs) What were you watching that taught you that that language? I'm like, that was really good. Um, That's so fun. But they like to to retell stories. And I think some of that comes from, we just make these little books after things happen. They're actually looking at them this morning. So we went away and surprised them to go in an overnight in Niagara Falls and stay in a pool. Ooh. So I took some of the photos afterwards and made them a little paper book and they could retell their favorite moments. Or they often go back and they'll tell their favorite things from going up to the cabin, things that they loved going up to see their grandma and grandpa. So yeah, they tell stories naturally, I think.
0: That's fair. I remember one of our kids, we had, we had to um, buy him like cargo pants, cargo shorts. Those were the only things that he would want to wear because they have so many pockets, (laughs) right? So he would come home. Yes. And it's just army men and rocks and sticks and things. And it, it's just so funny. And for a little while, like I started taking photos of all of the things that he would bring home and I saw there was another artist, like, she did a beautiful series, um, mine were, like, on the kitchen floor, (laughs) right, but, like, yeah, it was cool to see hers, like, they were, again, like, um, after a day of art school or something, and, like, the things that they would bring home, and, like, a day outside, the things they would bring home, or, like, even on a day that they were really sad, still the things that they were carrying, and, Yeah, it was interesting to see both in um, my photos as well as hers that there was always, like, one piece of consistency. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. there was always, like, for my guy, it was always this rock. For hers, it was always this button. Yeah. Yeah, And it was just, like, this one thing amongst
1: all of the other.
0: Um, He – well, we would always go to the river and then toss rocks into – the river and I was always I I still am a giant rock person Mm -hmm. and so like you were saying too kind of imitating but also like I would show him how it would calm my anxiety just like holding it like letting it be grounding like breathing as I would hold it and so he would start doing the same so I think that was part of it too was kind of like that comfort piece so yeah who was in your house as a kid? Did you grow up with siblings yourself?
1: Yes. So we actually grew up um, outside of a small town out in the country.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, so we didn't really have neighbors. And it was my mom, my dad, and my brother and I. So my brother and I are actually, I guess you would call people would call it Irish twins. Because we're not even a year apart and people used to think we were twins because we were close in size and we both have red hair.
0: <laughs> Fair, I guess.
1: Yeah. yeah, we were twinsies.
0: That's funny. So where are you in the alignment of siblings?
1: I'm the oldest. The oldest.
0: Um, what type of kid were you in the classroom? I can picture you, red hair, knobby knees. Knobby knees. <laughs> and also because you're posting like the most beautiful photos of you as a child which I need one of you by the way for
1: okay I'll send one
0: for this um but yeah I can picture you as the child but yeah what was Laney like in the classroom
1: I was the kid who who loved school but I loved the um I loved projects Mm -hmm. which is funny because I still very much love projects today but I was like yes. pumped about science fair projects. Ooh, Remember science fair projects.
0: Oh yes, I still so, do those.
1: Yeah, <laughs> lucky you. Um, but like going to the library with my mom and picking up books and trying to decide like what I was going to do. Um, but the fun part was more learning something new and then figuring out how I was going to share that with other people. Mm. Like the whole, I love the the process of like getting the Bristol board and designing it and deciding what information was going to be on it and what I might have on the table that people could touch or interact with. Like I was that kid Um, and I love novel studies. And I was actually talking to my husband about it the other day and he just had this visceral reaction of like, oh, Laney, no, you didn't. (laughs) But I did, like I told him, I can remember in grade six, like Island of the Blue Dolphins and having to make dioramas and yes. making title pages and coloring things. And I said to him, like, I love um, actually answering the reflective questions where you tried to get into like the deeper meaning inten- and intention of characters and why things the way they were. He just shook his head, <laughs> he was just like, no. So yeah, I was a kid who loved like the projects and the making and the posters and the the drawing and yeah.
0: Yep. And hearing you say that out loud, I'm having like my own aha that I was the same way. Like, you're right. I did love projects and it was, I liked the setting up part of it. So Mm. like the organization and like setting my timeline and finishing my project like a whole week before it was due.
1: (laughs) Like For a project manager.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. So like our brains together, we could have rocked projects.
1: I would have, I would have needed you. You would have reined me in a bit and put some timelines on all my fanciful ideas.
0: Yeah. But you would have also broadened my ideas.
1: <laughs>
0: well, maybe we should work on a project. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh man. Oh, um,
1: you how, like a person can like have these memories of, of what you think you were as a kid. So I had this vision of you know, I was a goody two shoes. I think I was probably a teacher's pet. Like I really cared about school and doing well. And then I found my grade eight diary. Mm. And that was incredibly embarrassing and also humbling. (laughs) It's like, I did not write this, but it's like 13 year old telling me directly. I was writing things like, Oh, school is so boring. I hate this. Um, sharing marks that weren't so great and it's funny how like I think you can hold on to memories that feel ideal or perfect or different things in your mind like we selectively choose our memories and then to find something that disrupts that um, can be unsettling but at the same time gives such perspective of we are not perfect we are not all this or all that um, I might've enjoyed school and I might've loved projects and I might've been bored. Like I can be a little bit of everything. And so that was really fun. That was fun to find.
0: Okay, so knowing that um, the people that we hang out with as kids really help form our identities also. So I wanna know who were your safe people? Who were your crew? Who'd you hang out with?
1: So it's funny because if I think back to elementary school, I think my safe people were teachers.
0: Ooh, same.
1: Yeah, my, my, <laughs> faith, yeah, my safe people weren't my classmates. Mm. Um, and I grew up in a small town where it was, there were 1,200 people. So you go to the grocery store and you know the butcher, you know the librarian because she's your family friend, you know everybody. Um, and so when I started school in kindergarten, those, those were the kids that I graduated grade eight with. Oh, wow. And it was such a small school that there were never combined grades. it was that was your that was your set of peers. And so when there's different dynamics and personalities with mixed in amongst that, um, you don't really get a change from that. And so I ended up, I would say from grade four all the way to grade seven, experiencing bullying. Um, so it wasn't until high school where I felt like I met some people who were just like kind to me and good to others and it like ultimately i would say i didn't find my crew until university mm. and university is i ended up um, joining the residence life staff i was a dawn and it was almost like this coming together of people who were similar in the sense that these are people who yes they were students and they had their own assignments and lectures to go to but They also cared about the experience of other people at university. And so these are the people who were hosting um, meetings on residence floors or in townhouses, um, dressing up in ridiculous costumes and being silly to encourage other people to do the same and have fun and enjoy residence and for it not to just feel like it's just school, to feel like they belong and um, to have fun and have a little break from school and those became my people and to the point where like I look back on that time and I very much still love them and I married one of them oh yeah I met my husband on the residence life staff Uh, two of my best friends today are from that time but it's just when you can finally find people who see you as who you are and Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to pretend to be something else you don't feel like you have to be something else. It's just like you, you have similar values and, and I found that in university. That's where I found my crew. Hmm.
0: So looking through all of the stories and all of your family things, is there something that has been like super surprising? Or
1: I think in looking back on my life stories, cause I've been working on this now for probably three to four years of writing my life stories. And I think there have been so many different moments at different points that have been incredibly healing. Um, I've found answers to questions that I often wondered about that were kind of heavy for me. Mm. Um, I've learned so much about myself. I've learned more about my family. I think there have been moments where I have more empathy and understanding for different situations because I just really didn't have the bigger picture
0: when you were describing to just like collecting all of the stories, I was thinking that like, you're also teaching your kids so much empathy because you're giving Mm -hmm. them this lens of so many different stories. So then again, they can see that it's not just them and that other people are experiencing their own kind of ah ahas and troubles too. So yes. Good Good job. Okay. I, really love to talk about feelings. And like I was saying before, um, when we feel things as kids, it's really hard because it's the first time and it's just so confusing. And we don't even understand that. Like our body's giving us cues that send our brain messages that make us feel things. And so I want to know, um, from other people, like the first time they felt a big, big feeling. So what feeling did you choose? Tell us your story. I'm so excited.
1: I know you look so excited and you may not even like this story because <laughs> I don't uh, even care. No, no. Because like when you say things like, Oh, I wish that you were like, you were there for me when I was a kid, that you would be like my parent. When I hear you talking about taking a child out and talking to them about holding a rock and how that grounds you and your emotions. And I hear that. I think, I wish I had that when I was a kid, because even now as a big kid, I suck at emotions. I, um, it's only now in like late thirties that I even start to pay attention to how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. to start thinking about where is that showing up in my body? Um, why is that happening? I, as a kid, I was someone who held emotions. And even now I can feel like if something's bothering me, it's in my chest and it's tight. Mm -hmm. So I'm at the point where through my learning and self-awareness and writing stories and unpacking things of trying to figure out as a big kid, how do I become more comfortable experiencing emotions, being able to identify them and just sit with them and let them pass on Um, because I wasn't taught how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think we never were not. yeah and when you think about things that are passed on from parents like we learn from the people that are around us they model behavior for us we watch to see how they respond um so i'm right now trying to learn how to be more in touch with the emotions and communicate what i need so that my kids can um yeah, and it's not easy. So I no. don't even have a story about like one emotion because I was just a ball of emotion.
0: What advice would you give yourself now, knowing also more about your family story and um other people's points of view? What age would you want to like beam down <laughs>
1: your future self? <laughs> and like, look what this is your yeah. future. Exactly. I think it would probably be um more into high school and if i were to talk to myself in high school i think i would really try and encourage myself to pay attention to what it is that i loved and what i enjoyed and lost myself in Um, because i think it was in high school where i started to really drift away from me Um, Mm -hmm. i had always loved art i loved creative things i loved books and reading and projects and yet when i was in high school i stopped taking art um I was taking classes and courses that I thought that I needed and I don't know where I picked this up but along the way it was very much about I needed to have a good resume I needed to have a good job I needed to think about my career and my future and I needed to be prepared and all of that other stuff that I loved and enjoyed started to feel like it was more fluff and optional Mm -hmm. and I couldn't make a career out of making art that was just something that I did for fun um and I lost myself that way and it took like I ended up going into teaching which I loved because I love children and I was creating every day I was creating learning experiences for them and doing fun things and trying stuff but it still wasn't the option of being free to go to do work that was personally meaningful to me as opposed to coming up with creative ways to have kids engage with curriculum. And it took me until into my 30s to actually come back around full circle, to come back to making and creating and writing and caring about stories and being excited about learning things and being able to explore again. Um, And so that's what I would wanna say is, and even to my own kids, that will be the message that I hope to give them is, know yourself, pay attention to the stuff that you love and follow it. Um, Follow it with your heart and like I will be there to support you to do that. So that's the hope.
0: It's right there. Do you have a go-to icebreaker? Like making friends as an adult is weird.
1: (laughs) It is weird, yeah.
0: But um, yeah, do you have a go-to icebreaker for like meeting new people?
1: So I am the socially awkward person who is kind of, like, if I have to go somewhere new where I'm around other people, I'm more the observer. I kind of sit back and watch and see who's there and whatnot. But I think, like, the introvert in me, I usually, like, my go-to is more just asking questions. Mm. And it's still, it's funny because it's still that storytelling piece. of I, like, I ask people, like, bits about themselves, what they like, their family, where they're from, if they've traveled anywhere interesting... Like, I'm not great at a small talk, but I like talking about, like, real things and getting to know somebody. So that's usually where I end up.
0: All right. I can see I like that. Yeah. And, okay, that makes sense to me now, too. All right. Brandon. Or I do
1: three dance moves on the dance. <laughs> that's where I was going.
0: All right. Time for your big kid shout out. Okay, I'm just going to read this because I couldn't memorize it. That would be too long. Okay, so it was maybe, like, what, our second day of camp maybe and I remember feeling comfortable with everyone at this point but then came the dreadful time on the schedule where it said dance class (laughs) okay I loved that with camp like we were never restricted to the activities whether they were planned or not And like the best part about camp was that it was at a camp so like we were on a lake. You could wander in the forest, which I would do. And I definitely wanted to at that moment, but I didn't. I right
1: behind you. We would have
0: met anyway. Yeah. Right. And so it was time for the dance class. And I like, you, I immediately took a spot up in the back and I was so sad because all of the friends that I had made, whoosh, everybody went to the front and I'm, was like, oh. I'm
1: like, what is,
0: what, what is happening? <laughs> and um yeah but oh where did it go mm, i don't for me when it comes to dance i don't know what it is, but like my brain is always a few <laughs> steps behind my body and yeah. I just can never get it together. So inside I was an anxious mess, sweating so hard from everything uh-huh. and I was watching everyone have so much fun and I was just trying to figure out what the hell to do with my hands <laughs> and yeah. I honestly was ready to walk out and go take some deep breaths outside, um, but that is when I could feel eyes on me <laughs> and it was you.
1: It was lady. I'm it was learning. your introvertness. <laughs>
0: yes. It was you. And you just smile you just smiled and acknowledged my effort. And literally, you were the only thing that kept me there. Aww. And you just gave me props for trying and that meant a lot. And I could feel your mom's spirit in that moment. <laughs> I keep saying that and like you're not even that much older than me, but still. <laughs> okay. And yeah, I Hated every second of that class, like the music was great, the people were lovely, the dance, I still remember kind of in my head when (laughs) the song comes on, right? Right? Um, But you brought me so much comfort, super duper mom vibes for sure, and that's why online when I see you creating amazing stories for your family, I can imagine how much love and safety they feel with you, because that's exactly what I felt in that moment. And in every moment that we've talked since. So that is my big kid shout out to you. Thank you for uh, not making me feel like a fool. (laughs) Dancing in the back. And even, right. And then I even remember like that evening, maybe this was our last day, right? And like we had our dance party and they played the song and I'm like, I'm just going to do this in the corner. And then you still, I still felt your eyes on me. (laughs) Let's go, Christina. Let's make up our
1: own moves. And yeah. Just
0: have fun. Yeah. And then we still high fived and it was lovely. And so it was whenever I was like feeling that twinge of like, ah, I'm like, wait, where's Lainey? Yeah. <laughs> right. I would like find my smiles in the crowd and then I would feel automatically. Okay. So my big kid shout out to you. Thank you, Lainey, for making me feel all of those <laughs> secure things, which, yeah, was so lovely.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad we met
0: same, right? Thank God for camp. So now is your turn. You get to have your own big kid shout out to whomever you like.
1: I think, I think my big kid shout out would be more to a collective actually. And I think it would be, um, to the women in my life because in writing my stories, I've realized just how much I was surrounded by a group of strong, powerful women, um, in the sense that, um, my mom who, um, she ended up being the first woman elected to our town council. No oh. one had done that before. And that was in the nineties. So like, Damn. yeah, she was the very first and ended up being reelected and served two terms. Um, she was also the person who When she went to choose to go away to university, she went to Lakehead and went into a program that was very much male-dominated at the time. Uh, She went into forestry, and she told me how it was actually a joke amongst the program that if women were in the program, that it was because they were looking for a husband. Uh, Rude. Yeah, Yeah. and for my mom, she was there because she grew up in the wilderness and loved the outdoors and loved trees, and so she was in the forestry program because she loved it. Um, so like, she's very much a model for me of like, pursue what it is that interests you and do the things that maybe other people think you can't. Um, even my great grandma, when I think back, like she ran her own business till she was in her nineties. Wow. Yeah. I had, um, aunts who were very outspoken and opinionated and shared their minds and not to be mean, but they just. They had like this confidence, and um, like I don't know if it's nice to say, but they kind of wore the pants in their family, like they made a lot of decisions. they were strong women, um and even my own grandma Laney, like I was named after her, and she was like when I was a kid, a lot of kids they'd go to visit their grandmas at her house and she'd make them cookies, and she was working on some type of little project, and I had this grandma who could drive a three wheeler lived in the wilderness could shoot a rifle hell yeah wore, oh yeah she's ass she yeah cargo pants and like red plaid before it was hipster like she like she was amazing and she chose not to live in town she chose to live in the middle of the wilderness and do her mm-hmm. own thing and growing up she was always that voice for me of women can pursue whatever they want to and women are equal to men um to the point where one time she even said uh, if what was it if women were meant to be subservient to men god wouldn't have given them the brains that he did yes <laughs> yeah but, she, but yet if you called her a feminist she would just be like oh no i'm not but like I dare you she wanted, yeah she wanted me to know that i could do anything and mm-hmm. uh that was incredibly powerful and i think if like having that group of women around me in an environment that was very traditional it was a small town um very much defined by gender roles where a lot of women were married young and had their children um the men were the ones who worked women cleaned and like very traditional kind of separation of roles i was surrounded by all these other women who made me think different and uh yeah it was a pretty amazing place to be in the middle of and i think if not for my gram um i probably wouldn't have felt brave enough to make that big pivot in my life where i decided to resign from my career and follow more like what was me um like she was that well thank you
0: grandma laney grandma laney's awesome grandma laney and all of the ladies oh yes you are surrounded by a lot of powerful women damn no wonder your stories are so strong. Love it. Okay, Lainey. So again, thank you so much for spending time with us and fellow big kids. I want you to let everybody know um, more about the search for self also, because I feel like that is something that also um, our stories are similar in a way. And I just love this project. And again, just your, the way that you look at the world is just so beautiful and we need more of that so knowing that we can go on a self-searching journey with you as a guide oh yes please I, I'd be down a
1: guy I want to come also still figuring things out for herself
0: <laughs> dude same right like I, sometimes is. I feel like a fraud because I'm like wait I'm a life coach but I feel like I don't have things together so
1: nobody does that's the big secret right like
0: exactly that's exactly what it says on the top of (laughs) the big kid
1: (laughs) jokes on everybody
0: nobody knows what's going on so
1: yeah so why don't we just talk about it and figure it out together yeah exactly
0: so please tell us more about even like how that project came to be because is this the first year that you've done it
1: I started it in November okay yeah Um, but I would actually say formally, it started, it came, so the search for herself kind of came together, I would say four to five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came together at this point where this random collision of different things that kind of turned my life upside down. So it's Always how
0: it comes, right?
1: Yeah. And even though it's hard at the time, like afterwards you can look back and be thankful for it because otherwise things would have just stayed the course. Yeah. Um, but at the time, my grandma Laney passed away suddenly. And I had seen her the week before, and then all of a sudden I'm getting a phone call. Um, so I lost someone who was like very much a part of my life and very much a part of my identity. And that encouraging voice um, always kind of pushing me along. And then I, I was also six months pregnant at the time when she passed away. So I was about to become a new mother for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, I moved into a new job that just didn't feel like the right fit for me, but I felt like I should again, those shoulds, that I should take it, that maybe I could make something from it that would feel more like me. Um, And then I went on maternity leave and it was just this moment of like not having those pieces that used to define who I was. Like work very much defined who I was. Like if I introduce myself to someone, I'd say, hi, I'm Lainey, I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. And like, how often do we do that where we identify or introduce ourselves to others based off the, the work that we do or I'm this or I'm that. Um, and I didn't know who I was anymore and I didn't know, now I have all this time, I'm not working anymore. What do I actually like to do? What do I enjoy? How am I going to spend my time? Um, yeah, and that's where the search for my own self began because I knew when I left on maternity leave that, that, that role was no longer for me. I felt like I got to a point in my profession where I was just getting with any, Promotion or job change, I was just getting further and further away from myself and I was very unhappy and yet still couldn't pinpoint it, but just knew something was off. And so when I had three consecutive maternity leaves, um, there was a lot of space and a lot of time to have to think. And, um, and I think what triggered it all was I, t- I signed up for a life stories writing class. There was a studio in our neighborhood offering it. And it was just this weird thing where I just kept seeing things all the time, um, which sounds really woo-woo, but I am learning to embrace it. Of hundred percent. The universe is speaking to you. It's like, okay, I hear you. You're hitting me on the side of the head. Like, yeah, it's the damn course. Because it was like, read a book. And it says something about write your life story. I'm scrolling on Instagram. I see something about the importance of your story and telling your story. And then I see this writing class and I kept coming back to it. And I thought, screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it. Um, and in writing one of the assignments for the, for the class, I stumbled across this term, I was in a coffee shop and I actually almost swore out loud because I was like, I, you know, I effing love this. Like it was so can amazing. You say fucking. Yes, <laughs> and yeah, I'm still filtering, still that teacher <laughs> in there. Uh, I was like, I fucking love this because it was amazing. And it was, the term was narrative identity. Have you heard of it?
0: Mm -mm.
1: Oh, you're gonna like it. So narrative identity is basically saying who we are and how we see ourselves is tied up in our life stories. And that this researcher says that we make selective decisions in the stories that we choose to tell about our lives. Mm -hmm. And that there are some who tell stories that are of hurt and loss and heartache. And then there are others who tell stories who might have experienced similar things but see redemption in them and what they learned from them and how the stories that we choose affect how we feel in our present and also what we pursue in the future. And it just hit me at that moment because I knew that the stories that I was replaying, so not the ones that you introduce yourself, well, "I'm from here, I do this and that." It's mm-hmm. more like what are those stories that you play inside your head over and over when you think back about your life? Mm -hmm. And for me, the stories that I played had very dark and negative narrators. Um, It was usually death and bullying and control. And that's how I often replayed my story when I went back. And I just got to the point where I was like, enough. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel how I'm feeling. I don't want to keep going back over the same things. I knew that I wanted to move forward differently. I didn't want to go back to my job after my maternity leave And if I needed to move forward differently, I felt like it was almost like I needed a different identity. Mm -hmm. And so the very first story that I decided to write, I called The Fire. And um, it was a story about something that happened when I was in grade eight, where there was a house fire and my aunt and my four cousins died in the fire. And in writing that story for the class, I found an excerpt from my diary from grade eight. So it's me, 13 years old, saying, I remember when the phone call came, how my family responded, how he was feeling like in that moment, what it felt like in the weeks afterwards. So I had that part. Then I pulled a piece of my grandma's writing about that event. And then something just wasn't clicking there. Were, I had questions, something, I had memories that didn't seem to be substantiated by other people's stories. So I reached out to my mom and I asked her. And um She had a completely different understanding. And it was this moment of realizing that, although we all went through the same experience, we all had very different understandings of what had happened. And this realization that pieces that I had been carrying that were very devastating to me and very hard may not have even been true. And realizing that for the first time in my life, I felt like I let it go it was almost, I felt it immediately. I didn't have to carry that anymore. I didn't even know if it was based on fact, it was just hurting me. Um, What purpose did that serve? And just feeling that huge sense of relief and healing, I thought like, I need to keep going. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first story. And I've been writing since and I still am. Um, So it's been three years of writing about different experiences in my life and unpacking them to see like, Are there things in there that aren't even based on truth? Mm -hmm. Um, Like our brains are fascinating. Like the way that we remember things and how memories are stored, they're not even accurate. And every time you replay it, it ends up making it less and less accurate. So like, it's crazy. And then we construct our whole identity on these past stories that That aren't even true. (laughs) Exactly. And you're torturing yourself for what reason? So Mm -hmm. I don't know i have found so much healing in going through these stories of reaching out to my parents and asking them questions that have weighed on me um, and finding answers that i realized i was completely off and like when you talk to christina about kids and their understanding and emotions like developmentally we can only take in so much and we end mm-hmm. up remembering things in ways that aren't necessarily true
0: yeah.
1: um so i don't know i found it incredibly liberating and i feel way more self-aware than I've ever been and still picking pieces apart. Um, But yeah, and then I started thinking, well, maybe there's other women out there too, who maybe aren't loving the work that they're doing, who are having challenges with relationships amongst their family and dynamics or not feeling connected to people or, do you know what I mean? Like just kind of Mm -hmm. getting through their days and not really feeling like they're living their life and having fun. Um, doing the things that they think they should. And so I thought, okay, this is super uncomfortable, but I'm gonna start sharing my stories because then maybe someone else will see themselves in it. And um, so yeah, that's how the search for self came together. Now it's this private website where lots of different women can sign in and um, find little pieces of inspiration and sparks to get them writing and thinking. And um, yeah, just like building more self-awareness.
0: I love that. And I think too, even if for others that may not have people that they can go to and ask, just remembering that fact that the things that we're absorbing and experiencing could be different for every single person that was in that room. And so many people ask me, like, how do I just let shit go? And I hate it because (laughs) it's just simply letting it go and I think having this thought of that again we're all going to experience it completely different can bring so much peace and like a weight is lifted off of you because even like again for my siblings I know that like we could have had a fight and the way that we interpreted it could be completely different and even like what you were saying with the silver sibling rivalry chapter right like siblings same thing they're both getting praise but then absorbing it completely differently
1: exactly and it's tied to personality and yeah insecurity or how you're feeling Mm -hmm. what you think is valued what isn't
0: and a belief is just something that you keep on thinking right? So what do you want to believe about yourself? And I think, again, with your search to for search for
1: self,
0: no. with your search for self, it gives people a great starting off point to rewrite their own stories to come from a place of more compassion and understanding and then growth from that. So I love it so much.
1: It's also hard, right? Because sometimes we don't want to go back to our story, right? Like mm-hmm. the number of women who I've heard say like, I don't want to go back there. I've worked very hard to try and move forward and I don't know what's going to happen if I go back there. Like this feeling of like, I'm going to fall apart or just that unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like, we might like to think that we've moved ahead. Um, But still, it has a hold and it's using our energy in very different ways and not necessarily healthy ones. The fact that I can write back about life experiences 20, 30 years ago, like it's still there and it's still lingering. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And for our friends that say like, I don't want to spend time there because I've spent so much money on therapy and Mm -hmm. other things to get over that, like those those are the friends that need it the most because it's not again about forgetting it. It's making it a part of your story. And like that means all of the broken bits too. And so it, it it's up to us to really decide again, which parts of our stories are true. The ones that we want to keep on living and just knowing that there are people like you that will help us rewrite our stories. If that's what we want.
1: And there's really nothing, it doesn't feel like there's anything out there. We often hear that term of rewrite your story, rewrite your story, but no one really showing how to do that or how to go there. Um, And it's not even so much about getting over our past experiences, but Mm -hmm. learning from them and being what you want to take away from it. Um, And when you're saying too about like how to let go, there have been times where I've written like a certain life story and I think that I've I've let it go and I haven't. It's totally keep like noticing it coming up again, like, damn it, I thought like I'm mm-hmm. of that. Um, and it's not easy to let go of stuff because it's yeah. so ingrained and so much of it is like in your subconscious. You don't even realize the piece that, that you're your
0: choosing. Mind.
1: Yes. And so totally. many women have said that in the search for self of like, I didn't even notice that about myself. I didn't even realize it. Um yeah, it's fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm. And so liberating and important.
1: Yeah.
0: So again, I am very thankful that you have created a space for other really creative w- women that want to do this type of work for themselves, which is so great. So where else can people find you if they want more Laney? <laughs> if they
1: want some more Laney, um, Where at- I, I I love Instagram. I just love like how visual it is. So mm-hmm. um, I'm on Instagram. I'm Barry Laney, and uh, I have my own. I have two websites. One is verylaney.ca and that's where that's where the creative Laney hangs out of creating things, projects, mini classes for other women to capture stories for their children about their families and and also to learn about themselves all around that narrative identity piece. And then the, um, the other website is the search for self. So for women who are reflective and curious and love learning that there's a space to find some sparks to get started with their, taking a look at their own stories.
0: Thank you. All of Lainey's links and things will be in the show notes as well. So go hit her up. Thank you, Lainey. Thank you. Well, friends, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your time with me over here with a bunch of big kids. As you travel through the world this week, remember that kindness drives change. We are all on this life journey together and it's nice to remember that you're not alone. Go and join in on the Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Big Kid Pod. You can even go to the website to leave me a good old-fashioned voice message in the show notes. Go to kdccoaching.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter because every month I send out journaling questions and templates to take you a little bit deeper on the journey back to yourself. Sending you so much love from Canada. Talk to you soon.